let's crack open a beer and share some thoughts. Welcome to Opinions, and we are back with another snippet, and we are once again celebrating. Uh, we're celebrating a birthday this time, aren't we, mate? We are, and um, well, might as well. We've already got the beer in the glass, Steve, so uh, might as well reveal who it is. It's um, Fine Ale's Yarl, 10th anniversary. It is indeed, yes. 10 years old this weekend, as we recalled this beer is. Now, that is, um, that's quite something, really, isn't it? I know we mentioned it on, on last week's show in, in, in terms of its heritage and how long it's been around, but um, I really thought Yarl had been with us a bit longer than that. I was surprised to find out that it was probably halfway through. I mean, well, I think Fine Owls have been going around going for about 18 or 19 years, and I think didn't y'all come out of their first fine fest? I think so. It started off, it was a one-off, wasn't it? It was a one-off yeah. special to start off with. You know, it started off, you know, and there's that back and forth a little bit who had the first uh, citra beer out. Um, but as I understand it, basically Oakham and Fine Ales essentially got hops from the same citra batch. And um, Oakham had theirs air freighted over. Hence why they got their beer out first. But... It's essentially come from the same same beginnings. Interesting. I never knew that. Yeah, yeah, just a little snippet of a fact. Oh, oh almost a fact it. Yeah. <laughs> uh, also, um, ten years is ghost ship as well, isn't it? So there, there must have been something happening with Citra in, in, in twenty ten. Yeah. That, that that made all all the breweries want to use it. Well, I don't know what it was, but I don't know whether it maybe there was a special offer on it or they just heard such wonderful things about it from maybe the last couple of the years preceding that who knows but it's definitely i mean it's become a bit ubiquitous as being the hop and i think certainly for you and i steve we are definitely aligned on this one um it's our number one hop i would say absolutely yeah i, I, I love pretty much anything with citra in it yeah um without further ado though mate should we get into it we should, just just before we do, it's, oh, it's, man. it's it, come on. I, I, I know, I know, it's right there. But because I want to want to use the opportunity to say cheers, it's it's not just Yarl's birthday. So on our day of recording today, it is also um, friends of the show Shane Swindell's turns fifty has turned fifty, 50 today, yeah. I believe, and it's also Andy Parker from Elusive Brewing's birthday. So I'd I'd like to uh, to raise a glass and, and and say cheers and happy birthday, not to, just to Yarl but also to Shane and Andy as well. So, okay. cheers. Cheers. Yeah, it's definitely got citra. <sighs> it, it is, isn't it? From the minute you bring it close to your nose, you get that initial waft of, of, of citra. And then, whoa, that is, that is dry. Do you know what? That's, uh, it feels drier than the bottle I had recently of Yarl as well. Um, and it's obviously been a while since I had, I was lucky enough to get this on cast because it doesn't make its way down south that often to the places I go to. Um, oh, that is the bitterness and dryness that keeps on giving. It is a, it is a slightly different recipe though, isn't it? This, this canned birthday it, version. Yeah, I mean, tell you, it's just on the appearance though, it looks even more golden and clear than normal as well. Uh, I, I don't I know if that's it, my perception. 
I was expecting it to be a little bit hazy because they've they've, they've added oats to it, and, and and normally that's that's what we see a lot of with the New England style IPAs, isn't it? And parallels that it's there's, well there's more of a hazy characteristic. But I, I think I think from what I remember reading on the uh, on the press release, it's um, they've added it for more body. Um, whatever they've done, I mean, it is absolutely delicious. Oh, that's banging! I mean, obviously we're lucky enough to have this fresh so this has pretty much come off their first run of cans um and you know thanks to fine ales for sending them down to us as well is it just a citra hop or again did i read correctly is it are they using the t90 hop pellets they, they've used the t90 as, as, as well in this year i mean they've put it to good use i mean i think for some people um they may find it almost too bitter if, especially if they've gone through the New England IPA journey, but I'm loving this. Yeah, I mean, because it's it's only three point eight percent as well. The bitterness on that suggests a much bigger beer. Um, it is completely balanced in in, in every element of it. Um, and yeah, it's been a while since I've had Yarl even in a bottle. Um, it's a beer that I have always enjoyed. Yeah, I mean, I think it's punchy aroma and flavor and the way it's finishing is on a par with a lot of what those what we were talking about halcyon last week steve and halcyon's almost double the abv so a lot of that heavy lifting is done by the alcohol as well um so to to have a beer which is sessionable and properly sessionable rather than you and i toying with the word sessionable at 3.8 percent this is just amazing well, why we enjoy this, and <laughs> I don't I think it's, it's going to be in the glass <laughs> for very long. Um, let's talk about what we're moving up to, because we have started, um, we've, we've kind of started going out again. And, and we do have a little bit of uh, beer adventures to share, don't we? Yeah. Um, so I have been out to, I, I took a couple of half days off, the week just gone. Uh, weather was nice, work has eased up a little bit. So um, on Wednesday just gone. I went to the Ale House, which uh, regular listeners will know is the home of the Essex Bottle Share. And I met up with our creative director and very good friend, Clayton. And we enjoyed uh, a range of cask beers from the Ale House. I mean, we sat outside, but what I will have to say is that Terry and his team have done a remarkably good job with what they've done inside, created a whole load of booths. They've still got some of the bigger tables as well, but they've... Uh, put some dividers on the table to, to illustrate that, you know, you shouldn't be getting too close to each other. Uh, they've got a one-way system marked out. Yeah, I was, I was most impressed with it. And it was a very, very pleasant afternoon and early evening. Uh, Ranger car spears was more limited than usual. I think they had six to eight rather than their 12. Um, but I don't think that's a shock. They don't know what, how many people they're going to get in. 12 car lines is maybe quite a lot to get through if your numbers aren't up to scratch. So that was, that was good fun. Um, and Friday, went to Leon C to a couple of uh, specialist beer bar slash bottle shops. And um, it was nice. Um, social distancing wasn't quite in effect quite so much as I would have liked at one of the places. Um, I, have, I, I sent a DM to the, uh, to the place. Uh, so I'll see if anything comes back on that. Not necessarily their fault, it was happening outside. But it was like, come, come on. You're evidently not from the same household and you're greeting each other. Like, you, haven't, you probably haven't seen each other for a while, but like, 
way too close. Just it made it feel a bit uncomfortable. That's the first time I've seen that up close and personal at a bar or a restaurant that I've been to. Um, so that, yeah, it was still a nice afternoon and evening, but the uh, trip to the Yale House was definitely a much more comfortable feel about it. Um, the only other thing I, two things I want to mention. One, I joined the Lost and Grounded fourth birthday party on Zoom on Saturday. Um, that was mainly because uh, Michelle won one of their birthday cases of beer on Twitter with one of the retweets, how your name, that kind of thing. Uh, went through what is basically their six core beers and the beers that they fairly much started off doing. Uh, they had some music from a local pub. Um, in fact, the local pub, which was the first ever permanent Keller Pills tap as well. And it was good fun. Um, really well organised. Technology worked well. Nothing too formal about it. A little bit about each beer. Anyone got any questions? Um, a few people on there who we know, Steve. So Andy Parker was on there. Um, he did ask a technical question. Um, I'm not really sure what he was asking or what the answer meant, but it, you know, it was good to see him. Uh, Sophie, as in at Sophie Beer Blogger, was in there with, with uh, Josh in their most wonderful shed, which apparently they're adding a hand pull into the shed soon as well, just to make it make us even more envious of that. So uh, that's that's my beer adventures, mate. I, rather than talking about the beers, I just stick to the adventures. Yeah, I um managed to get out as well once this week. I went to the White Hart in in Whitton again um, with, with M. We went and, and spent an afternoon in there. And, and I think much the same as you, there, there, there was some questionable social distancing going on. Um, there, there were a couple of rather large tables that, that clearly knew each other, uh, that were kind of sat opposite sides of the courtyard who kept visiting the others' tables. And there was lots of hugs and going on and lots of swapping of seats and what have you. And, and I, I was just kind of sitting there thinking, this isn't how you do it or this isn't how you should be doing it um but it was a it was a pleasant enough afternoon we sat in the sun for a few hours had a couple of pints of um kings from mighty oak which is uh, again a, a single citra hop beer actually not too dissimilar to to the yarl that we're drinking um and both of those pours were on gravity um maybe the second one wasn't quite as refreshing as the first one and then I had another pint of something and it was a very uninspiring pint of cask beer to, to the point where while sat there, I, um, I messaged Rich and said, can you book us a table for the Vic in a couple of weeks, please? Because I need some decent cask beer in my life again. Um, so despite me threatening that I wouldn't be back to the Vic before September, I, I think Rich has won that little bet that uh, I think I'm going in a couple of weeks time. Um, I know they're opening <laughs> as as this show releases on Thursday. They're opening on Thursday as well. So uh, obviously, Rich is a really good friend of the show, and just um, just want to wish him the best of luck for for the Vic reopening, and hope everything goes well there. Um, but other than that, it was just really um, just just beers at home, and and much the same as as you recently have been trying to drink your body weight in cast ghost ship. I've been trying to do the same with cans of Halcyon. <laughs> brilliant um but before we do uh move on to i'd say good luck to rich as well to rich and the team 
um, to Andy and Sheena and to everyone involved in the Vic. So let's let's move on and um, have a look at some of the news this week. Now, uh, one of the one of the smaller news items because there is only <laughs> one real news item this week, and we are we are going to get to that, folks. Uh, but the smaller news item was the appointment of John Keeling to the London Beer Factory Board of Directors as a non-executive director. So he's going to step into the role with immediate effect as the brewery looks forward to its next phase of expansion. So um, questions about whether John actually ever did really retire or, or whether he was still involved in the, in the business, but he does seem to be firmly back into uh, the, the, the business of breweries now, doesn't he? Uh, definitely. Um, I would say this is... Uh london's beer factory way of either getting some major investment or maybe even a, a, a sellout buyout whichever version you're looking at um because you know they've got a name the word london we know that works so far with a few other people and also john keeling will will bring a lot of attention is there still other news steve or is that all gone away well, there is there is a second news story oh, as, as well okay. that, that that we that we do need to, to to mention, I think, and this was the uh, the announcement of uh, the small brewers duty relief, um, which was made on Tuesday, twenty first of July, as part of a finance bill um, that was presented uh, by the Treasury. And it was actually hidden quite a way down um, after a lot of information about the reform of tax administration and how they're going to make a lot of uh, tax processes digital. Uh, there was then an announcement around the small brewers relief. Uh, the government has concluded its review of the relief in order to support growth, boost productivity and remove cliff edges. The schemes taper will be smoothed. It will take effect more gradually over a wider range of production, starting at 2,100 hectolitres per year and be converted to a cash basis. A technical consultation will be brought forward in the autumn. Government will also consult on the potential for a grace period for small breweries to dis that decide to merge. So um, this was essentially bringing the amount of duty down from, I think it was previously 5,000 hectolitres. Yeah. Um, and, and obviously um, everything that comes along with that. Now, there was almost an instantaneous response from CBA on, on this one. Um, and James Calder, the chief executive, said that they're very disappointed that the government has decided to reduce the threshold. Um, and CBA has consistently argued that no brewery should lose any relief as a result of any reform. The minister confirmed detail on the new scheme will be published as soon as possible, but without this detail, we're unable to evaluate accurately who will win and who will lose and by how much. What we do know is that there are around 150 breweries in the UK who pre-COVID sat between 2,100 and 5,000 hectolitres, who the proposals will impact on. Um, and, and I think that's, that's the biggest thing in, in, in this whole thing, isn't it? It's that, it, it's that number of breweries that are essentially, for, for all intents and purposes, now being pushed by this coalition of breweries that sit above them in, in, in terms of, uh, of size. Yeah, I, 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 there's a couple of things I find odd about this. I mean, so we've got CBA putting out this statement. I'm sure, and I'm happy to be corrected, I thought CBA were part of the drive for the government to look at reforming this. I think they're 
they were looking at that that cliff edge was their big thing they were looking at but also the word small um the the, the small breweries that um are effectively going to benefit from what is currently a proposal some of them don't feel that small to me in the great scheme of things well no because a lot of them are essentially the kind of family regional type breweries that a lot of people yeah. know know and love so you know you've got your likes of your adnams and your st Austell and harvey's are in there so you know those aren't small breweries by any stretch of the imagination in no, terms of their so, output you know but those breweries that are now caught in that middle between the two 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 thousand one hundred and the five thousand they are truly small breweries one two people operations that's a definition of small somehow uh, that in itself i think has been one of the problems for me about this coalition but they've marketed themselves as small which is disingenuous to be honest now obviously there's been plenty of statements have come out since this announcement uh, all over the place to be honest um and i think you're going to flag a few places as well steve but yeah for me I think also maybe um, Seba's involvement, it's just going to get a little bit sticky for them because it may be that by pursuing this course of action about the cliff edge, you end up with what I like to term unintended consequences. Also, you're potentially setting up a bit of a continuation of a bit of a civil war within Seba, to be honest, because within Seba, there's this own little coalition going on. That doesn't, sort of sit very comfortably either does it no because because you would have thought a, a lot of those members of this coalition are probably also members of seba yeah and you know these conversations i'm sure have been touched upon in the past and now it's it's come to a bit of an end game to coin a phrase although i think we still had to stress probably it's a proposal at, the, at this stage but i think if you're going to be going through the process of having it as part of a finance bill you're probably uh, not going to change it that much, but there are some there are some options about what we as consumers can do, isn't there, Steve? There, there is now. Um, obviously, it's there's there's been a lot of um, opinion on this, particularly on social media, in in the last few days. Um, a, a lot of quite bold statements have, have been made about how people feel about particular breweries, how people feel about this. So. What, what we've decided to do is, is that rather than take our view or opinion on it, is, is to actually just deal in what we know are the facts for now and, and what we could potentially do to, to, to support um, in, in this current situation. So um, just run through a few things here. Uh, firstly, so the, the three things that are known uh, about um, this proposal at the moment is that Obviously, the rate will be lowered from 5,000 hectolitres to 2,100 hectolitres. Uh, the amount of relief applied across the whole range will no longer be a percentage of a general rate, but rather a cash amount. And that there's still more to come on this. And I think you said that. At the moment, it's still just a proposal. Nothing's been finalised. The detail underneath it hasn't been finalised. Um, now, as, as we said, there is um, the group known as the Small Brewers Duty Reform Coalition, the SBDRC, um, and there's a lot of unknowns about this group in themselves. So they haven't 
publish the list of who are members because when that was first published in 2017, I believe there was a lot of targeting and abuse at, at some of those members. Um, they have appointed a PR agency to deal with all of their um, press inquiries. Um, and there was, as I say, there was a comprehensive list that, that, that was put up on Twitter that two years ago that came back up again this week. But what we saw very quickly this week was a number of brewers distancing themselves and making statements that they're not actually part of this group. Yeah, which, um, again, it's at the moment, it's just all hard. It's quite hard to see the wood for the trees and the truth from the uh, twisted words at times. Some breweries have, like you say, distant them, said we, we distance ourselves from day one. Some have said we distance ourselves on this, what's happened, how this proposal has landed. And there are some breweries who have not distanced themselves at all and have basically still said it's a good thing. Yeah, they've dug their heels in and said we're still supporting this. Yes. So there's quite a wide range. And again, that's why I think for now we're just sort of uh, waiting. I think the dust still needs to settle, both on the proposal itself and how this sits with those, those breweries that are part of it. Which ones are truly part of it? Who's the drive, who are the driving forces behind it? And who are the silent ones who aren't too sure which side of the fence they want to be on now as well? Mm -hmm. So I think there is still more to come on this one. Well, rather handily, um, Steve at Beer Nouveau, who has comprehensively written uh, about the, 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 the duty um, reform on a number of occasions, has um, written a post this week, which was a bit of an update. Uh, and it's got the breweries list again. But what he's also been doing is adding the statements that have been made by the breweries as they've been making them. Now, whether that's purely just a statement on, on Twitter or whether that's a written statement that, that some of them have done. Um, and we'll put a link in the show notes to that post from Steve so you can click through, have a read of, of, of what Steve's saying about it and also have a look at those breweries and, and see where the particular um, statements are being made or, or those that are remaining quiet on it. In, in a similar sort of vein, there's also quite an informative piece um, been written this week by Roger Protz as well, which gives a fantastic overview of, of what's happening and, and, and what it means. Uh, and again, he talks about some of the breweries that, that, that are beginning to distance themselves. And, and once again, there'll be a, be a link in the show notes to that piece from, from Roger as well. Yeah, and I think they're, they're important. And I think also something I'd like to flag up is that... Um, you know, we mentioned that it was Shane Swindell of Cheshire Brewhouse fame, his 50th birthday. He did put out a very personal post um, about his feelings on the subject. Um, I don't know whether we can add that to the show notes, but I'm sure if Steve can, he'll put a link in. Uh, there's a lot still coming out about this. Um, and I'd urge anyone who, who wants to get involved and comment about it, but just, you know, Get the background, find out what's going on. Um, but if you do feel strongly enough about it, um, James Beeson has uh, written uh, a template. It's a really good template, actually, um, which you can use to. Is it write or email your MP, Steve? I, th I think either. You can you can you can use it in either instance. I I basically used it. I cut and pasted it, and and then I I put it in an email to to, to my MP. And, and I think that's, that's, that's what we're encouraging people to do is if you do feel quite strongly about this, then, then write to your MP about it. Because as, as we say, although it might seem like it's a done deal, it is still just a proposal. 
there is still a way to go on it in in terms of what the final thing looks like so by lobbying our mps we we could still have an impact on this oh definitely and i think what it does show is that you know the people who make these decisions in government may not be as close to what a we believe a small brewery to be and they probably think it's quite an inconsequential number but these are real people people who've given up a lot to get these breweries up and running and also there's a large percentage that make some bloody fantastic beers as well if you do feel that strongly like steve said and i'm going to do as well this week use use what james has already done you know james has done the, the legwork for us good luck if you do it bother your mp as always though that's just our thoughts and like i said we have tried to avoid giving opinions on 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 this one and and just sticking to to, to the news and the facts but if um, any of our listeners have got any views on this one keep using that hashtag opinions uh and we'll find you um i'm not sure about you mate but all that reading has uh, made me very thirsty and i've finished my yarl um how are you going with yours i think your glass is empty as well oh. actually isn't it about five minutes ago, mate. I thought you were going to ask me. Um, I, as it warmed up a little bit in the glass, I started to get some of those uh, like caramel notes as well. There was just like a little bit of sweetness there. Uh, the rest of it stayed the same. It was it was still a nice citrus bitter, dry hit all the way through. I have no more to add, and I know I say that a lot, and then I go on and ha- add a whole lot of words, but I'm not going to because I I just I agree with what you say. It's fantastic beer really really drinkable uh and really really grateful to ian at fine owls for sending us four cans of that each as well so yeah. uh, it would be very easy to to just jump into another one now um but that's not what we're going to do because we do have another beer to try so our second beer tonight is from utopian uh, who are based in devon who we've been quite fortunate to receive a few beers from um over the last couple of months and certainly each one of them today has been absolutely delicious as, as well but this is their latest release this is the vienna keller lager um which i believe you mentioned last week mate you had attended the online launch of this yeah uh good fun it was too and again thanks to utopian for both inviting me on to that and uh for sending some of the beers to steve and myself um yeah the vienna keller so you know um it probably sits in the same sort of bracket, this particular one is the dark lager. Um, it's probably not quite as dark when you look at it in the glass. A bit more of a coppery colour, I would say. Yeah, it uh, looks, looks like a traditional best bitter. It does. It does look like a traditional best bitter. Great head on it though, isn't it? Yes, very much so. I just found it to be a wonderful balance between uh, the, the bready malts um, and, and the hops they're using it. And again... Uh, in line with the rest of what Utopian does. These are all British ingredients. So, you know, uh, I think I'll say no more at this stage, Steve. Let's say cheers, and then let's, uh, let's see what your thoughts are. Absolutely. So thanks to Utopian for this. Cheers. What are your thoughts, Steve? Uh, yeah, I mean, the first thing that comes across, and, and this is something that has come across in all of Utopian's beers, is is it's really well balanced and it's really, really soft as, as well in terms of how it feels in the mouth. You do get an initial maybe slightly breadiness on it, 
a few floral hints. There's then there's a little bit of a, a little bit of a coppery hit almost for me before you get kind of a sweet balanced bitterness on the finish. Um, very 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 refreshing finish. I must yeah, say, no, I think that's quite quite a good way to describe it. I mean, it's again, it's it's been lagered for a period of time, so this has been uh, lagered for five weeks, and this is one of the uh, things that they were mentioning on the uh, Zoom launch is that, you know, they don't use anything in the beer to have it drop bright and clear. It's just literally the amount of time they leave it to lager does, does the job, um, if I remember it correctly. I, I think maybe one of the reasons why I do like it, and I actually think I said at the time I preferred it to the uh, dark lager that we waxed lyrical about previously, perhaps it does put me a bit in mind of a, a very good quality best bitter. It definitely has those notes to it even though it's called a uh, Vienna Keller lager, I think it sits quite comfortably between someone who likes a best bitter and maybe someone who's a lager drinker or gone from lager to best bitter once something sits in between. If, if I was served that blind, I would have called that as being a bitter. Well, I, I would never have called that as being a lager. It's, but uh, as I said, I, I, do, I mean, personally, I find it a very tasty beverage. Well, before we drink it all then, <laughs> again in, in record time, let's, uh, let's get on with this week's question. Opinions, 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 opinions. When the dust settles on lockdown life, is there a beer or brewery that will forever remind you of this time? Uh, 332 votes, 54.5% of people said yes, 45.5% of people said no. Uh, massive number of comments, this one, over 80 comments on this one. So, so thank you very much to everybody that got involved. As always, we can't include all of the comments in what we're about to go through, but there is a link in the show notes. If you want to click through, you can have a look at the question and all of the responses. So this was originally asked by Miles um, Lambert, who suggested the question to us. Uh, and this was what Miles had to say. For the record, my drinking has changed during lockdown. Finishing work and being immediately home has allowed me to grab an earlier beer, which has seen me go into more sessionable pals. This is a long way of saying I've been turning to Northern Alchemy mini kegs for lockdown drinks. From your boy, Rob Edwards, Attic Bruco, what's wrong with your mild? I won a case of that near the start of lockdown. To be fair, I'd remember that as well. I think you would, wouldn't you? If you'd, yeah. if you'd won a case of something, that, that would be <laughs> the, uh, the, the first thing that sticks in your memory. From Jake Penny 91 and from Martin Snelling Esquire at Ribble Londoner. No, simply because I've just indulged in beers from breweries that I already loved since before lockdown. The only exception is the Cheshire Brew House, who I only discovered during lockdown and they didn't disappoint. From Pete at Hops and Hoops. The new Almasty core cans, especially the insanely drinkable green. From the bullet at the bullet 79, also similar comments from Josh Muldoon and Super Jeff. Uh, Panoma Island draft keg crawlers delivered to my door. And then this is an interesting one considering the beer that we're drinking right now. So this was from Chicken Dipper at Graham Salander. Uh, also comments from Jamie Smith and Matt Chinnery. Uh, I've discovered Utopian thanks to you guys and had a lot of, lot of them during the height of lockdown. I'm going to carry on ordering from them, but they will, for me, be forever linked to this time. And there was also a lot of love for the Utopian Inn that, that Utopian do every Friday night on Zoom as well. A lot of people referencing that as something that they'll remember from the lockdown period. 
From Simon at Barley Wine is Life, I've got an honorable mention, and it's neither brewery or beer. I'm off on a slight tangent here. UK brewed craft lager is enjoying a healthy renaissance. I've had some beauts from Braybrook, Utopian, Donzoco, and Lost and Grounded. From Guy Miller at The Brew Guy. Yes, with the pubs shut, availability of cast beer is zero. Great forward thinking by turning, turning Point to put Disco King into mini keg with regular new, can, with regular new beers into can. Online Q&A, virtual pub meetings on Zoom, service online was five-star organised. Brewery of the lockdown for me. From Sophie at So Beer Blogger, I had my regular weekly Stealth Brew Co deliveries and tuned into Unity's Instagram Live every Saturday night to watch Jimmy and Liz talk about beers and music while enjoying their lockdown beers. I've obviously had a lot of lost and grounded during lockdown too. From Eric Katz at Eric Katz, nope, I've spread my beer purchases in such a way that I had at least one new beer every week. Great new discoveries abounded. From Simon Clark at Simon Carbon. Not a brewery specifically, but lockdown really brought the five litre mini keg to prominence. And finally, from Seaside's, Seaside Reds at Red Seaside, suppliers will remind me more than specific breweries or beers have been living off great boxes from Imperial Beer Club and Sour Beer Club. Signing up for the, that last one there, Steve? No, maybe the former, but certainly not the, <laughs> certainly not the latter. Um, some great comments there. And the, and the one that really stood out for me was that comment from Simon in, in terms of the five litre mini keg and, and its rise to prominence during this time. Yeah, because they've been about, haven't they? You can pick them up in they've supermarkets. for years, yeah. But an astonishing amount. I think it just goes to show how many people were missing cask or, and trying to find something as close to that cask experience as possible. Uh, you picked up one, didn't you? Was it one of the Fornbridge ones? I had, uh, yeah, Kipling. I had um, a, a mini keg of that, uh, which I shared with Emma and Clayton, um, which was delicious. It was, it was absolutely fantastic. And I, I was chatting to, to, to Simon about it, and he said that um, they brewed all of their mini kegs up at the old Thornbridge Hall on, on the kit up there, rather than on the, um, the big kit down on the riverside. Okay, interesting idea. Um, I mean, that would have been where they started doing their cask in the first place. It's, it's where they do most of their local cask beer brewing as well. From remembering my, my trip up there, I'm pretty sure that's what they said, that the, the, the old Thornbridge Hall is, is used predominantly to, to brew for the local markets. Okay, interesting idea. But yeah, they definitely came to prominence, didn't they? Um, but what's your, um, have you got any breweries, beers, styles that will be linked to this period of time? Um, I think to, to, it's, it's very much going to be echoing maybe what a couple of other people have said and, and also possibly what I've said on, on, on previous shows as well. Um, first one for me would be Utopian, who um, having only recently launched their brewery, who seemed to take over social media during lockdown. You, you couldn't be on a social media feed without seeing somebody talking about utopian beers. Now, I, I think that, that they did a great job there of, of getting into the, the public space and, and making people aware of what they were doing. And obviously, you know, the utopian in on the Friday, um, the fact that they've, they've launched a couple of beers during this time and have done very successful online launches as, as well. Um, they, they would certainly be one of the ones for, for me. Uh, the other one would be um, the Cheshire Brewhouse, 
um, because Shane has put out uh, a huge number of beers during this time, um, shortly after rebranding and repackaging most of what he does. And, and again, I think as a result, he's been very, very successful in reaching a new audience as, as well with his beers. I mean, I agree with you on both points. I think my first experience of Utopian was about two weeks before lockdown sort of got, even got hinted at when we went to Brew London, Steve, uh, and that was the back end of February. So I think they did a remarkably good job um, at flicking over to really getting the cans out, using social media, being really positive and, and, and sharing and doing that Utopian in. I think, you know, Shane's been on our radar for three or four years now. Steve, um, but the repackaging, the rebranding, the rebrewing of some old favourites, and the creation of some new beers as well. Uh, you know, Gibraltar Porter. I know that sort of came out back in February, but being a, a stunning beer still, uh, and a much loved Govinda. I would add two things: um, Brew York as well. Um, we, we knew about them before as well. We'd had some beers from them. We were supposed to have gone up to there. But again, some of the beers they're churning out, and we've mentioned Big Eagle 2020 at least once. But that does sort of bring me to the, the last one. So Simon, barley wine, as I've mentioned, lagers. I'm going to mention West Coast IPAs. Um, the bitter, fuller, uh, more old school IPAs have definitely uh, been making a bit more of a return to prominence during this period. And I, for one, am very, very glad about that. I'll echo that. Uh, absolutely. Of course. Of course I will. Um, because I am a West Coast lover th through and through. But, but yeah, they, they have seen a bit of a renaissance during this time as well. Um, I, th I think one more thing that, that I want to add is, is that one of the things that, that will stick for me with this time was how quickly the industry adapted to doing things differently. So we saw breweries who had never been in the online space suddenly had online stores. We've seen breweries offering local deliveries to, to certain postcodes and getting fresh beer direct to their customers. Um, we've seen bottle shops change the way they do business in, in terms of, again, doing home deliveries and having booking slots. We've seen some pubs and bars doing takeaway service. It, it was just astounding to see how the industry took what has been one of the most significant periods of time in my life, and they've changed the way they've done things during this global pandemic. Yeah, I'd, I'd agree with that. I mean, you know, um, the ability, and, and yes, there are fours and against for, for, in some people's eyes, but the ability to order the fresh beers online from a brewery after they've flagged it up, but it's coming out, it was definitely a step in the right direction for me as a consumer. Um, if that brewery has enough of those beers, I want to buy. Um, you know, and we've mentioned some of those breweries where we're quite happy to spread a bit of love when we're ordering from uh, amongst a range of their beers. I mean, you recently bought a range of uh, beers from Fullbridge. I mean, they were all Halcyon, but it's a range of Halcyon. <laughs> Um, so yeah, I, I, I think you know some of these changes are here to stay. You can't. We're not going to put the uh, lid back on the box now. So it'll be interesting to see how things continue to develop through 2020 into 2021, 
and you know how these have now changed some of the models that we'd got used to as well but yeah for me probably as much as some of the breweries I mentioned is the comeback or the reaffirmation of love for West Coast IPAs that has really uh, resonated with me during this period. Yep. And as always, we'd love to continue to hear our listeners' thoughts. Use the hashtag opinions and you may very well find yourself in this next part of the show. Let us know. Write it down. Let us know. Write it down. Let us know your thoughts and bitter in Linganess. Write it down. From Johnny Drinks Beers at SE18 CBL. Good to hear Beer O'Clock show infusing about Brew York Kiwi Brown Ale. I was recommended one, one by at the Plum Tree Beer and at first was hesitant. Brown Ale conjured up a garden centre Twigfest. But I was so happy with the multi hoppy goodness. Don't judge a beer by its name. Uh, I couldn't agree more. Couldn't agree more with you there. From Richard Taylor at Richard Ta- Rich Taylor 1608. Uh, my walk to work today was made a lot better by your latest episode and Rob Edwards' social distancing sounds. It's going to be a busy day, but a great start. And I do just want to give a massive shout out to what Rob's doing with social distancing sounds as, as a recent adopter of, of what he does there. Um, it's an absolute brilliant hour of uh, eclectic music choices and incredibly random facts that Rob uses to string them all together. Um, we'll put a link in the show notes to that, but it's available on mixtape and, and it really is worth your time in listening to it. From Mike Maguire at Maguire Mike, what a wonderful episode it was too, full of nostalgia, and it was great to hear you all laughing together. The beers sounded good too. From Simon Clark at Simon Carbon, great episode. Great to hear Mark again. I wondered if he'd mentioned his beloved Badger beers, and he did. Of course he was going to mention Badger beers. Uh, you know, the, the, I think the tick list, the only thing missing was Taste Like Beer, to be honest. Disappointed he didn't get that in, but uh, there's, there's been a lot of love for Mark um, appearing on the show last week. Uh, rightly so. It was fantastic fun to record. I'm delighted to hear Mark as guest drinker. I guess that he might be the eighth birthday guest. Lovely to hear him in the present instead of from the archives. And you'd know, Sean, as you have gone through all the archives. <laughs> And we had similar comments from Michael and Mick McGrawty, uh, Paulie G at Can I Get a P, Michelle Oates at Ginger Daniels 13, John Hart at Metal Mouth 666, Rob Dixon at Rob Dixon UK, Paul at UNRCD and Graham Gilbert at Graham Gilbert. Um, thank you so much for uh, all, all those uh, positive thoughts about last week's show. It really was um, uh, as much fun to do as it sounded. From Simon Dewhurst at Simo Sloth. Great show, guys. I sadly didn't listen to the show when Mark co-hosted, but he seems like a lovely chap, and I'm definitely going to hunt out some old episodes now, namely the Unhuman Cannibal and the Punk IPA ones. Less said about that last point, the better, but we're coming on to to, to that shortly. Uh, A long one here from Craig Henderson at the MCR Smoggy, and this was sent by DM, so thanks to this, Craig. Uh, Just listened to the 8th anniversary show. I enjoyed it as I do all the shows, but I particularly like this one. I've only been on my beer journey about 18 months and listening to you guys for about a year, so being a newish fan, it was nice to hear Mark. You and Martin regularly mention him, and although I've gone back into the archives, I've not yet gone far enough back to hear his voice. The main thing I took from this episode, though, was hearing you talking about the early beers you were drinking with Mark and your embarrassment that included beers like Green King IPA, among others. It made me feel a bit better about where I'm at on my beer journey. 
having always drunk macro lager in my teens and 20s and then moving to real ale 10 years ago it took me until about the age of 40 to finally discover there is a massive range of really amazing tasty beers out there because there are so many good beers out there i feel like the proverbial kid in a sweet shop which is why i follow lots of beer aficionados on social media and listen to podcasts like yours to help me navigate through all that choice sometimes it feels like all the people i follow have always drunk great beer almost like their first drink in their teens was an all Val or Sierra Nevada or something equally tasty when I was there feeling happy that I preferred Cronenberg rather than Carlin. Your comments made me realise that probably everyone is likely to have started elsewhere and progressed on to drinking those more amazing tasty beers that I also enjoy now. I still feel like a novice, but it made me feel a bit better at that. Although I've come late to the party, I can still hopefully get to a position where I know a little bit about what I'm drinking. Thanks for regularly pointing me in the direction of great beers. Keep up the good work. Yeah, thank you to uh, Craig Henderson for sending that through to us. A um, couple of things I'll pick up on there. We all have a, we all have a starting point in our beer journey. Um, and it's all different. Some people may have started off with traditional ale and have moved into a much wider world. Or, like Craig, and certainly like I did, I definitely was one of those people who said, I definitely prefer Cronenberg to Carling many a dangerous night having Cronenberg's instead of Carling though because it's a couple of extra percentage points versus the Carling but it's it is tastier to be fair so really like seeing that so thank you Craig from Beer O'Clock Brewing at BO Brewing what a bloody brilliant episode I think having the three of you together works really well it was a great mix of the old and new P.S. I still love Hobgoblin but agree the new branding is total crap and from your boy, Rob Edwards, at Rob underscore Edwards 90. I'm with you on the new Hobgoblin branding. I don't know who the target audience is meant to be, but I do not like it at all. Continuing on the Hobgoblin theme <laughs> uh, that seems to be developing here. <laughs> from Paulie G at Can I Get a P? I feel like Hobgoblin has been lost for years, stuck between a dying cask market and a rapidly shifting craft market. But any brand extension gets lost because hob Hobgoblin drinkers want Hobgoblin and it doesn't appeal to lager or golden ale drinkers. And then finally, <laughs> and... Um, Oh, it's all I'm going to say about this. So, uh, Mr. Johnson, and that's that's how he's being addressed this week, uh, decided that he was going to revisit the uh, infamous Punk IPA episode of the original Brewer, Beer O'Clock Show, and then decided to rapidly tweet a load of things that he was found finding hilarious about it, finishing with this. Um, okay, so to be kind, it wasn't so bad. In fact, if it was recorded today, geography and Scotland phobia aside, most people would agree. But Barry Island IPA, dot, 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 dot. Cheers. Yeah, I think thanks, thanks to Mark for encouraging a load of other people to now go back and listen to what, <laughs> I, what I personally find as the lowest point of my podcasting career. <laughs> He's definitely not alone. Lots of other people are searching it out. And probably the more it's get mentioned, Steve, the more it's going to happen. I know. You, you know what? Just, just so you, I can make it really easy for everyone. There's a link in the show notes to it. If you haven't listened to it, it's 34 minutes of your life that you're never going to get back. Go and have a listen and let us know what you think. Use the hashtag opinions and, and, and we'll find it. Um, not sure about you, mate. Oh, yeah, my beer's got again. <laughs> yeah, and, and you, but you're only drinking like half measures. Yeah, tonight. well, I'm drinking two thirds of a can rather than your whole can. Um, I've got nothing else to add. I really enjoyed the um, Viviana Keller. 
I prefer it to the dark lager personally. Um, but again, like I said, maybe it is what you said at the start. It's that best bitter feel about it. And maybe I'm just really missing a really good best bitter at the moment. I'm probably going to disagree with you in, in terms of preferring it to the dark lager. I, I, I thought the dark lager was amazing. I thought that was a cracking beer. Um, maybe it's leaning more towards best bitter for me. Um, I don't know what it is. Um, past experiences, particularly with Vienna lagers for me, have always been a bit more biscuity uh, sweetness to them, which seemed to be lacking a, a little bit for, from this for me. I don't know whether that's prevalence of the style. Or, or, or not um but it just wasn't there for me and it just wasn't just wasn't maybe ticking as many boxes for me as as it as it was for you uh what i will say though uh is once again utopian have uh produced a very very accomplished um soft harmonious balanced lager um they they are exceptional at what they do within this field of brewing it's a three beer show this week, unfortunately, because we've, we've got a lot of beers that we wanted to feature. Um, so what we've now got in our glasses are the latest uh, releases from Wiper and True. These are two mixed fermentation beers that Wiper and True have released this week. Um, I'm drinking the mixed fermentation India Parallel called Hinterland. And Martin, you've got the other one in the, uh, of the pair, haven't you? Yep, so this is called Narrow Sea, a mixed fermentation saison. Okay, so these are from their new mixed fermentation program that they've been running in Bristol. They are, as I say, they're the first two releases to come out of the Barrel Store, which is a secondary site that they've now set up in addition to their main brewery, uh, as well as hosting all of their barrel-aged creations. It's where they work on the new range of mixed firm beers. Uh, the wort is brewed at the main brewery site and transferred up the road uh, to the new barrel store via a forklift truck. And that's, I'm guessing that's so that they keep the nasty bugs in, 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 in one place. <laughs> I, I say nasty bugs, but they're, they're bugs that make beer taste weird and delicious. Yeah, but it's not the, uh, it's not the sort of um, cross-pollination you want going on with your standard core range, is it? Absolutely not, no. Um, so both of these beers are becoming uh, part of Wiper and True's core range as, as well. So they obviously plan to um, continue brewing them regularly. Um, and as we say, very grateful to Alice from Wiper and True who got in touch and, and said, would you like to try the beers? To, to which we said, yes, yeah, happily to, to give them a try. So we thought we'd do one each uh, and that way we're covering them both. Cheers. Cheers. It's a very clean saison. Um, it hasn't got too much of that uh, barnyard aroma, perhaps. Um, a little hint of lemon on the nose. Quite a satisfying dry finish to it as well. Um, I can understand on my initial uh, tasting and smell that why they're trying to put it into their core range. because it, it feels different to what they already have, but not too out there. Do you know what I mean? It's not too wild, not too wacky, not too funky. Um, and for our Yorkshire friends and listeners of the show, um, apparently it's made with a traditional Yorkshire yeast as well, which surprised me, I have to admit. For, for, for a Saison, yeah, yeah. Would you say it was um, more classic Saison leaning or more sort of like new world funky Saison? 
it feels more classic to me. Um, and I think some of the classic saisons in my mind, certainly, are maybe a little bit more balanced, a little bit more rounded, a little bit more accessible at times. And this is what this one feels. So how have you got with the hinterland, Steve? Well, I think they've left all the barnyard for this one. Uh, <laughs> if, 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 if I'm honest with you, uh, it is quite funky on, on the nose. Um, Flavour-wise, you do get an initial hint of that kind of barnyard thing going on. Uh, there's loads of, of tropical notes coming out of that. And the, the, the one flavour that is really, really dominant is, is pineapple in, in there as well. Um, and to, to the point where the tropical notes were, were such that I'm, I'm suddenly looking at the ingredients list, trying to work out whether there's my old friend Sabro in, in, in this, <laughs> uh, but there isn't. Um, it's got uh, Equinox, Laurel, Simcoe and Citra uh, are, are the hops in this. So um, it's, it's interesting. Um, I, I'm not necessarily sure it's one for me. I'm, I'm going to be completely honest with you. Uh, I think I maybe made the wrong call here. In uh, when the beers came through, I said to you, "I'm doing the IPA," um, and I'm kind of wishing I'd done the saison now. <laughs> See, sometimes good things come to those who wait. If you're a fan of mixed fermentation beers, I think they're going to tick the box for you, though. From from what you've said about the saison. Yeah, but um, I've got no doubt. I mean, I have got a hinterland to try um in the box that wire print you sent me so um let, let's see what i think about that one when i get around to it steve yeah and, and likewise i've, I've got the saison to try as, as well so uh, hopefully i'll have some thoughts about that in the future excellent um we have as ever a question questions questions fill my head often from this from this person so paul at you and rcd a question particularly directed at you steve and to uh your previous co-host and guest of the show last week mark as the show's two editors, which episode was the worst for you to edit and why? There have been a few shows that have been a bit, a bit of a nightmare to, to edit, I'll, I'll, be, I'll be honest. There have been a couple of shows that I've spent a couple of hours editing them only for my computer to crash or for the edit file to become corrupted and I've then have to edit it again. Uh, there's one show in particular, I can't remember which one, but I literally ended up spending about eight hours working on it. And by the end of it, I was thoroughly glad to see the back of that particular <laughs> show as, as well, having had to essentially listen to it twice and, and live through it three times. That, yeah, there are, there are none that really, really stick out. There isn't one in particular that I would say that was an absolute bastard to edit. It's just there are just memories of ones that have just been hard work. And with that, I think we're pretty much done this week, aren't we? We are, despite our best attempt at dragging it out a bit more for a snippet uh, with the third beer. But yeah, I think we're about there, Steve. What's coming up next week then, mate? So we have some beers that were kindly sent to us by the recently launched Amity Brew Co. So I'm very excited to try those. And we are also joined, as is our want, every other, every other show by a guest drinker uh, from Hop Hideout Sheffield. The one and only Jules Gray is joining us to talk about running a bottle shop, global pandemic, independence, and many other topics, I'm sure. I'm, I'm really looking forward to chatting with Jules. She's got a, a wealth of knowledge and experience in, in the industry. Um, fantastic person as, as, as well. Met her a couple of times when I was in Sheffield, when I've been in Sheffield. She, she certainly helped us out with uh, organising some of the route for the Crimble Crawl when we was up there 
uh, that year. Um, so really looking forward to, to chatting with her on next week's show. Yeah, brilliant. Really looking forward to it. Steve, have you grown to love the hinterland a little bit more over the last few minutes you've had in the glass? I have a little bit, yes. Um, I am actually wondering whether the, that the first mouthful was so different from the other two beers that we've done this week that it, it really kind of made me sit up and take note of it. Um, as I've gone back in and tried it some more, it's a lot softer. That there is still a little bit of a, that the funk going on in the background, um, but it is very, very tropical in, in its flavour, and it's, it's a very soft finish as well. There's, there's absolutely no bitterness on that, that finish there. So um, what, what they've essentially done is taken, with, with that hot profile, what probably would have been an amazing IPA, uh, and they've thrown some bugs in it, and, and they've tamed it, turned it into this other very, very tasty beverage. Oh, well, I'm glad you've enjoyed it a little bit more. And, and yes, uh, even though I'm uh, enjoying the Saison more, it's definitely different to the Jarl and the Vienna Lager we've just had. So yeah, it's a little bit of a, a shock to the system almost. But yeah, I, I'm quietly confident that the Narrow Sea, Steve, will be much more to your liking. So maybe you quite like the classic uh, Saisons, let's say the Saison DuPont, for example. This is, for me, and I... I don't think I'm overselling it too much. This is definitely getting into that sort of realm of its accomplish, accomplishment. So thank you very much, Wipe and True, for sending it down. And it is a very, very nice beer. And thank you also to both Utopian and Finals for, for sending us beers for this week's show. Uh, I've thoroughly enjoyed all three beers we've had. Uh, and I'm really looking forward to next week's show. All we've got left to say is cheers. Cheers.